Welcome to the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nedling. You are about to discover impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you, so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Be sure you visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com. While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now tune in, get ready, and enjoy the journey of emerging as a leader of exception in the 21st century. Welcome everyone to the Find Your Leadership Confidence podcast. I'm your host, Vicki Nethling, coming to you from Roswell, Georgia. The goal of this podcast is is to bring guests and topics that will empower you to become that confident leader and take your business and your life to the next level. Today, I am very excited to have as a guest, Greg Elliott. And let me tell you a little bit about Greg. He is an exercise physiologist, osteopath, and entrepreneur who is on a mission to help everyone own their health through education, motivation, and accountability. He is a heart rate variability and wearable technology thought leader, speaker, and sought after healthcare practitioner. Greg knows the struggle of the juggle, I love that, and keeping health a priority. He believes in a whole health approach that is supported by emerging technology so everyone can live a long, healthy, happy life. There will be many nuggets of information and inspiration to act to be your healthiest self. And that's a guarantee when you connect with Greg. Today, of course, our topic is going to be how to take control of your health. Please join me in welcoming Greg Elliott. Greg so excited to have you on today. Well, this is great. No, it's uh, it's timely with um, obviously with uh, the way the world is and everything's pushing towards yeah. health span and longevity. I think a lot of people are confused. So the hope is to be able to clarify some of the important things people can do to, to maintain their health and well-being. So before we get into the hard meat questions, I always ask, where do you call home? Where do you live? Yeah, Vancouver, Canada. Yeah, so all, yeah. Love Vancouver. Yeah, no, it's. Uh, I spent a lot of time um, uh, on the East Coast for for my education, uh, but I've always knew that uh, Vancouver would be home. So came back uh, in mm. 2013 and been here since. Oh wow, I think I was there 2017. I think 2017 is when I was there, but I loved loved it. Definitely want to go back. All right. So for me, you know, being 65, I was, whenever I was in my late fifties, I decided, okay, uh, my daughter's married now. She's going to be making me some grandbabies <laughs> and I don't want to be that, that grandma that can't chase after her kiddos, but also without even knowing that this career that I was going to do after retirement would what that would be. But I knew that I loved to speak and, and I was on stages with Toastmasters and whatnot. And I wanted to make sure that I had the stamina and the mind <laughs> and the, 
you know, to bring that energy every time I spoke and you have to be healthy. You, you get, I, that's why I loved whenever I, you in your opening about the juggle, because we do, we tend to just go, 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 go. And we forget that you have to refuel and you have to really replenish and, and exercise and all those things. So I was very excited. I do have an aura ring <laughs> and I do have a watch <laughs> and all those little things that the technology is really helping us be more accountable. So talk to us about that heart rate variability and how important it is for us to, to be aware. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's a really good lead into the to the question, and it's it's very a uh, very big concern of a lot of the people that I see, uh, both virtually and, and, and in person, is we're all busy. We all yeah. have so many things going on at the time, and people want to know what can I, you know, do to to make sure that I, with the limited time that I have, that I'm making the right choices. Obviously, there's yeah. and we can always eat better. We can always exercise more. We can always get more sleep and rest and we can always de-stress and do those activities and connect with other people. But we got to be able to prioritize those uh, for each individual to understand which one may be right now of more value than others. And this is where heart rate variabilities actually provide a significant amount of information back to not only practitioners, but individuals themselves. So what is heart rate variability? Most people hear it and it sounds somewhat familiar and most people think of heart rate and they think of 60 beats per minute and 90 beats per minute and everything. But what we want to know what heart rate variability differs is that we actually look at the frequency of which those beats occur. So mm. a patient and I can have very similar heart rates at 60 beats per minute. That's our resting heart rate where mine beats like a metronome, super consistent on the second, every second, where theirs varies. It goes up and down, speeds up and slows down during that restful time. Now mm -hmm. we have the same amount of beats, but how they occur are drastically different. And what research shows now is that people that have more variability are healthier, happier individuals. And if you look at longevity and health span, those people live longer, healthier lives. Mm. Very good. And so what are some of the tools that we talked a little bit about, you know, um, there's also, and I can't remember what it is, although I bought it for my husband and he, I don't think he's ever used it where you put your fingers on, uh, I can't remember the name. So maybe you can just share, but how good is that? And, and why should we use that or, or not? And I know that it does feed the information to your doctor. So uh, I do life scans every year yeah. uh, so that my doctor can see when I'm healthy and then as I'm aging, what's the difference? So talk to us about that a little. Yeah. So how to measure it, um, many different ways to, to, to measure it. And I'd say this is like kind of three major ways that people do it in the, in the real world. Uh, now kind of, you know, as we talked about the aura ring, the other wearables or smart watches that are out there, there's that passive capture. Uh, where you have these wearables and what they, how, how they capture is actually they look at nocturnally. So through your sleep, they gather a bunch of information that could be every minute, every five minutes, every 10 minutes, depending on, on the device, but it captures a bunch of this data. And it's pretty good quality data, but the fact that one of the limitations with these wearables is because they rely on light sensors to gather this information is that with motion, it makes it less reliable to have um, good quality data coming back. Obviously, during sleep, there's a lot less motion happening. So mm -hmm. we actually get some pretty good quality data uh, through various wearables, like the Aura Ring being one of them. 
um, now more than ever before. And we always knew that would be the gold standard if we can measure it during sleep. Um, but before wearables came out with any kind of accuracy, people didn't want to have to wear a heart rate strap through the night or, or yeah. whatever it may be. So now that the ability to capture that is a very high level, and now we're trying to figure out how to best utilize that information. The second way, which was uh, commercially the first way that people measured heart rate variability would be first time in the morning. And so this is where you have uh, apps like Elite HRV, which I think you're talking about the core sense, which is, which is a, uh, the finger-based wearable that looks like a the little pulse oximeter that you would have at the hospital, a little wireless way to do that, um, uh, that you, people would wake up, uh, they would go to the bathroom, we would suggest to go to the bathroom, they come back and then they, they would take their resting heart rate variability at that time. We anticipated that being at the highest moment, you know, uh, right now and being relatively consistent uh, seems to be a good way. Uh, it, it takes a measurement anywhere from about, you know, a minute to five minutes, depending on, on the on the device. And you would use typically a heart rate strap uh, or they have the camera sensor on the on the phone that you can utilize that as well. So that's a second way uh, that people do it. The last way would be more for like acute stress management. So in the moment, uh, they would pick any time of the day, then you sit down and look at your heart rate variability to determine, you know, I'm at, I'm in a sympathetic or a fight or flight state, am my body stressed, or am I parasympathetic, rest and digest, relaxed state. Uh, and then based on the information coming back, you can introduce various techniques like breathing or meditation or any type of in the moment interventions that would provide uh, some stress relief at that point. So the difference between the measurements is one, the, the nocturnal and the, in the moment uh, in time in the morning, look at more chronic stress over periods of time when you have that standardized uh, metric of saying, you know, are my overall behaviors the right behaviors to do uh, versus in the moment of saying, am I, am I in a stress state and I need to intervene at a specific moment? Wow. So, um, Whenever I use my smartwatch, it's more so to do steps. I see how much, how, how my sleep is. And we talked a little bit about, you know, you could sleep, but a lot of people, especially postmenopausal women and things don't sleep very well. Um, even, you know, like my son-in-law, who's a, an accountant and high pressure kind of things going on, maybe sleeps three or four hours, always a problem. So how can we use these smartwatches to calm us, you know, some of the apps that are on there and things like that? Yeah, it's a, it's a great uh, uh, case example in regards to, to sleep. So yeah, and you said two different ways. One, the, the obviously hormonal imbalances and, and a change of life in regards to people's physiology that alters sleep. And then you have some individual that has more of a, a maybe a stress-related uh, work uh, instance mm -hmm. and and this is the problem with a lot of the wearables is they'll just say your sleep is poor mm -hmm. and you need more context to provide the actionability because I always ask that question with practitioners and say, they always want to integrate wearables and go great. So, so it says that someone's REM sleeps low. Well, what do you do about it? Yeah. Right. So it, it's about understanding that individual of, of why that's there. And the, the, you know, we're coming to the root causes of things is that a poor sleep quality can come from many different things. Sleep hygiene being one of those. It can also come from poor dietary choices. It yeah. can come from lack of exercise. It can come from, again, work, family, life stressors, um, mm -hmm. you know, our social determinants of health, our circumstances and our environments. All of these things will play into uh, what's going on. But where I see wearables being absolutely fantastic 
is there's a lot of great evidence of showing, you know, things that could be diagnosed with wearables, but I don't think that's the, the big benefit right now. I think the big benefit is looking at behavior change, yeah. looking at accountability around certain things, right? So I, to me, it's, it doesn't have to be hundred percent accurate, but I want something that's relatively reliable and it shows me mm -hmm. the trends in the right direction, be able to say, Hey, when I do some sort of intervention, we're going uh, the right way. And so uh, where I see wearables being fantastic and HRV in particular, it gives you that feedback of, if you change something in your life, uh, whatever it may be, change jobs, change locations, change exercise routine, change the way that you manage stress or think about stress, it can give you that kind of real life uh, immediate feedback as to, is it actually making a meaningful difference? I mean, how many times have you heard individuals, well, I tried that and it didn't work? Yeah. Well, how, how do you know that it didn't work? You know, what measure is just going subjectively how you feel? And we know sometimes that interceptively, we may not be super accurate as to what's actually going through our body. I see that all the time with people that are suffering from what I call the invisible illnesses, things that aren't objectively measured, like chronic pain or mm -hmm. post-concussion syndrome or depression and anxiety, where you rely primarily on subjective values, where I can have this objective measurements of these wearable devices to say, hey, when we do these things, we're actually making a meaningful difference. You may not feel subjectively right now, but your physiology is changing. We're on the right path. It's, it's worthwhile mm. for you to continue with this intervention rather than saying, hey, do journaling or do this type of exercise. And there's no real benefit, both objectively and subjectively. So it provides that great feedback to determine, you know, if you're struggling with fatigue or energy levels or pain or any of this type of symptomology that gives you the feedback that what you're doing is actually working for you. So you mentioned journaling and that was one of the the next things i was thinking would it not be helpful to do both you know where you you can write down how you think you feel and everything and then be able to correlate that with what the technology is telling you i absolutely agree i think sometimes we go through the through down the roads that subjectivity doesn't matter and it's only objective and I, mm -hmm. I you, you need both of those things. Like I need to know how my my individual responds because to give you an idea of, of, you can do a phenomenal assessment of someone's health, right? You can look at all areas under the sun and have, you can have a standardized way of saying, hey, this one is more important for your health and well-being. Nutrition is more important than work on your emotional regulation or your, your relationships are, is a bigger focus than your sleep hygiene right now. But if that is not of value to the individual, they don't found, they feel that that's in their needs of best interests. Like it's it's difficult. Uh, it doesn't match their goals of what they want to be able to achieve. Then you're not getting anywhere. So objectivity provides a good. Um, I, to me, it's a, it's a talking point. It, yeah. It's it's discussion around these things. If something is not the way that it should be, and what are options for us to be able to go? And that's where the subjectivity of the individual comes in. Is they have to determine. Are these the right type of interventions I want to do at the right time, as well as the feedback? This isn't, you know, it's making me feel worse. I'm getting, you know, I'm not feeling very good. And you weigh the good and the bad. Sometimes, again, you can have something that's phenomenally subjectively, where I feel like a million bucks, but in the grand scheme of things, nothing really changes in regards to physiology and vice versa. And both of those have, have to be taken into account. It's like, if, if it's not a big behavior change, in the sense that your subjectively, your subjective improves, right? I feel happier. I have more energy, phenomenal, but it doesn't change your physiology, but you want to continue doing it. Great. Over time, it's getting absolutely benefit uh, to you. Um, but, you know, sometimes it's not enough. The fact that I don't want to do this anymore. Uh, I, I don't think that it's working subjectively to me, even with the objective feedback. 
you know, that's of value as well to determine the right treatment plan for that individual. Wow. So how do we make the most impact to our health? What, what steps should we do to, and taking in, into account as you advised, little steps at a time? To me, it's it's about getting at least a, a baseline of to to where your your health is at, right? I mean, there's many free tools to do various assessments, uh, validated assessments that are out there, or various things of whole health uh, areas, um, as well as one thing I always mention to individuals that they haven't in the last you know year or two years have an extensive amount of kind of blood analysis done just from a physiologist to see where where your body's at. So you have an objective mark, mark of your health, you have some objective subjective markers of your health, and you see where there's a disparency, discrepancy between these things. Where are some areas to be able to investigate from there? And then this is where wearables come in uh, phenomenal is you can also get a baseline of where things at based on you know, the, the device that you measure with, whether it's your heart rate variability, whether it's your sleep, whether it's your activity. And then from there, you want to look at kind of the five big pillars of looking at health and well-being and start to you know tweak those and see what the outcomes are uh, in regards to, to your health metrics. So the big five, is obviously sleep is the big one, physical activity and exercise, mm -hmm. nutrition, stress management, and connection with people. Yeah. So those are the big five. You start to play within those. I mean, each one of those has its own, you know, specifics, right? You talk about nutrition. You talk about there's quality food. There's quantity of food. Mm -hmm. There's supplementation. There's lifestyles and modifications around that. So there's many nuanced approaches that are, are in uh, nutrition, but it's about dialing those things. Maybe you've always wanted to try intermittent fasting and, don't, you know, and just didn't know if it was going to be beneficial or if it actually made sense for you to be able to do and you can be able to track those things. So I think the most important thing is, is get a baseline as to, to where you're at. I think most people are very surprised. I see this all the time when people get their blood work back is, well, I had no idea that this was abnormal or you know, uh, um, you know, not where it should be and, and how does that translate into various choices that I'm making and, and what am I willing to be able to, to alter in that standpoint? Like, so for instance, if cortisol is high and cortisol is a marker of, of stress. So if your body's mm -hmm. in a stress state, your cortisol goes up. There's many ways to de-stress the body, right? There's, there's mm -hmm. proper food, there's, you know, starting to get some exercise, there's more sleep. I mean, there's many different areas and interventions people do. So try a few things and see necessarily what happens. What's phenomenal about cortisol and, and stress and HRV is there's a direct correlation between those. So as stress goes down with your body, your heart rate variability goes up and vice versa. So you start to see in real time on a day-to-day -day basis, you don't have to measure cortisol every single day. You can actually get immediate feedback from wearable devices to determine, hey, I'm going in the right direction, making these choices, or uh, maybe this isn't the best uh, uh, intervention for me this time and, and change and be able to figure out what I need to do to, to making sure that I live a, a healthy life. Wow. So what, what is the uh, difference or correlation alignment between your health span and longevity, you know, two different terms. Yeah. So longevity kind of has both what we call health span and lifespan. So longevity is looking at both of those things independently. Um, health span is how long we can live a healthy life, high quality of life, right? Mm -hmm. It's okay. We can live longer, but what happens is, 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 you know, Pierre Tia has now brought this to light a lot is the fact that, you know, we, things slip off. We start going down this, this poor health rabbit hole before we notice and some event 
happens, whether it's a, uh, a heart attack or, you know, all of a sudden we go to the doctor and, and our cholesterol is through the roof or whatever it may be that there's some sort of intervention, but our quality of life and our, and our kind of China trajectory of what we could do has already been altered at that specific time. And we've done a lot of, of work of, of maintaining that quality of life for an individual. It's rarely that we improve it. Uh, we just kind of maintain it uh, just so it doesn't get necessarily worse and in, into in uh, where the quality of is extremely poor. But the, the key with HealthSpan is understanding of, of that prevention model is looking at all these factors, getting this analysis, understanding done so we don't fall into that trap of, of we're okay you know, uh, uh, and, 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 you know, something happens down the road. You hear it all the time of people that had a heart attack out of nowhere. It wasn't out of nowhere. It came yeah. from something. They just weren't paying attention to that. Right. And, and I think men are, are extremely more vulnerable to this of, of ignoring these things. Uh, you know, I see it continuously where they just ignore problems as oh, it's just noise. Like oh, I'm tired. I'll just push through more coffee. I'll just make sure I exercise harder. I'll keep going blah, 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 and all of a sudden, they're diagnosed with hypertension, diabetes, high cholesterol, and they're like, well, you know, where did this come from? And, and it's just been brewing, it's been ignoring it, where I think females have an um, unbelievable uh, interception and understanding of their physiology. When things start to change, they, they seek out help more. And I think that's a, a big indication of why their quality of life, you know, significantly improves and stays high, uh, where men have these kind of drastic changes um, into their, their health and well-being. So health span is really focused on making sure that you from a very high level are keeping track of all the stuff you're keeping track of and, and, and preventing things from, from getting worse uh, before waiting for an event to happen uh, and then trying to be able to figure out treatment from there. And the benefits of medicine and health has never been in the, the um, you know, treatment side. It's been, it's been about detecting before any other detection is possible of understanding of, of the initial precursors that are lead to the development of cancer or diabetes or heart disease. It's about intervening early and, and not, you know, treatment after it's already there. Yeah. And it's so true about um, men. I, I think part of it is with women, we have gynecologists and, um, you know, breast exams and all of those things throughout our years and so we're at the doctors more often mm -hmm. and, and, uh, and you do, I think we are more in tune with things when they don't feel right, but, Absolutely. I, but, but I still think that a lot of people see the warning signs and ignore them because they're afraid of what they might know. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree with that. Um, I think that that's why, and I think they can almost, you know, I'll deal with it later yeah. i'll deal with it later i'll deal with it later until later becomes now um yeah it, it's it's quite often that um yeah that that you see that like you know i'd say you know say the chronic pain individuals i get people that they're told they had need a knee replacement and they well i don't want to do anything to have a knee replacement where i would see some individuals mainly females of saying i have a pain in my knee doesn't feel right i want to make sure that it doesn't get worse uh, so that any replacement doesn't necessarily happen. And so that's where I see the biggest discrepancies is, is, uh, usually takes a much larger punch in the face, um, from a health scare perspective, um, to get some individuals in, uh, to be able to seek that, uh, care when they realize, you know, their, their health is at risk, um, and ignoring the warning size completely of, of what I like to call autonomic dysregulation of the anxiety feelings of the pain feelings of the mm -hmm. fatigue, these warning signs 
of ill health before uh, they become much larger chronic diseases and illnesses. Yeah. So uh, time for rapid fire already. <laughs> what are some of your favorite types of technology that's out there to help us be healthier? Yeah, I mean, wearables is a, is a big piece of that. I think that's phenomenal. Um, you know, it's non-invasive, it's continuous. Uh, they're now getting cheaper and cheaper. I think Fitbit's got a, one that's 99 bucks now uh, for you to be able to kind of make drastic changes into your into your health and well-being. Mm -hmm. But but being touring a lot of the, the US, I know it's rapid fire, so I'll try to be quick, but there's so many unbelievable technologies that are just starting to come to light now with, with the researchers. There's a lot of stuff that, ha that isn't out yet that will be out that are just going to revolutionize the way we look at health. Yeah. All right. So what's next up for you? Any books or any, uh, any uh, trips to the U S speaking? Yeah, I, I, I do it quite often. Um, I just finished a, a big, um, a big turn this last uh, uh, nine months uh, of a specific talk that I, that I gave. I'm just reworking uh, that to a, a new talk now. And, and, uh, Putting in the applications and and um, for the for 2024, regards to all these type of uh, of talks, that's a, that's a big thing for me. Working on uh, various uh, ebooks, just to be able to see what people like and what don't like. So I'll, I'll be putting out in the next uh, few months here some some free resources for people about wearables, about heart rate variability, and awesome. and kind of gauge the interest and in, in where people are um, you know wanting more type of information from there. So those are kind of the two big things on on the horizon from a personal standpoint. That sounds great. Awesome. Well, we'll have to have you back to uh, hear where we are in a few months, huh? Absolutely. All right. If you have been intrigued and interested in what Greg has been saying, as I have been, uh, let me share my screen so you can get his contact information. As always, I remind you that if you were just listening to uh, this podcast, I will give you the orally the website information, but you can get it if you go to my findyourleadership.com website, as well as on my YouTube channel, you can subscribe and get all my podcasts there. His website is https colon forward slash forward slash www.greg e or Elliot. So that's G-R-E-G-E-L-L-I-O-T-T dot C-A, Greg Elliot dot C-A. On LinkedIn, you can find him at Greg R. Elliott, and on Instagram, Greg R. Elliott, R. like Ralph, okay? And I'll let him talk to you about his call to action. Yes, so if you're interested in any of those um, you know, metrics and want to kind of a big overview of your health and well-being, I do some consultations. Um, I do a quick discovery call, making sure that I'm right fit. Uh, I have a, a vast network of people that do consultations. If you, you're a better fit for somebody else, I'll send you over to them. Also, if you do have a wearable, um, like a Fitbit or an Aura Ring or whatever, uh, I started a um, company. Uh, it's a software company. We have a mobile app. It's called Health QB. And what we do is, is we ask you a bunch of questions uh, around your full health. And we take the data from your wearable with these questions and we give you a prioritized list of health behaviors that needs to be addressed more. So from a very high level, do you need to, to focus on more your nutrition than your purpose in life? Do you need to work on your introceptive awareness or your sleep hygiene? So we try to be able to prioritize that list for individuals and then we provide resources and, um, you know, like podcasts and, and products and books that are, are about those specific areas that we highlight to support you in, uh, in, in changing uh, those behaviors. 
Very good. Thank you, Greg, for being such a wonderful guest. It's been great hearing about the technology, but as a, I think a, a wonderful reminder of everyone that, you know, you only have this one life. And I, I trust me, I can tell you from experience, whenever you get old, if you don't take care of it, you could be sitting in a wheelchair or you could be stuck in bed because you didn't listen to your body. So uh, do all you can to listen to your body and respond properly and seek out people like Greg to help you um, figure out the best way to do it all. So as always, I remind everyone that life is a journey and it's up to you to enjoy the ride. This is Vicki Nettling signing off. Thank you for tuning into the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nettling, where we share impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Remember to visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast.